Good morning. How are you guys this morning? My name is Eric Santiago. I have the opportunity to uh, be preaching this morning, and it's just great to be with you all. Uh, love preaching here at Monument. This is only my second time, as my family and I have just recently moved here. We've been here five months this week, and uh, it's just been great to worship with you, to uh, experience our first Christmas together. I mean, it's Christmas, right? I mean, how cool! It's Christmas. Really? I, you know, it's Christmas. I mean, okay, so if I just had to take a poll, how many people here, your favorite time of the year is Christmas? Okay, boy, it's not surprisingly low among the monument folks. That's interesting. Um, so it's interesting. A Harris poll said that 46% of people, that's their top choice, best time of the year, best holiday rather. Uh, Thanksgiving comes in at 19%. So like Christmas is more than double that. What's the next one? Anyone want to guess? Easter. Who said Halloween? It's Halloween. Okay, I guess. 9% they got for Halloween. But it's Christmas. I mean, Christmas is the big story. And, and, and it's funny because they say that actually in their polling all, across all generations and genders, uh, households with or without kids under 18, all political persuasions and uh, racial and ethnic groups, actually, it just comes out Christmas. And in some ways, it's not surprising, right? And, but but do, you ever want, like, do you ever go, okay, why though? Why, why is it that Christmas is the, the most favorite time of the year? You're thinking, it just is, don't overthink it. Well, I'm a preacher, I'm supposed to kind of overthink things just a little bit. And I think it's because it's, it's, it's like a little slice of heaven, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's something of the, the sublime. I mean, let's face it, it's got, it's got its own music. It's got its own food and feasting. And, and we travel all over the place to be with the ones that we love. And we have our, our favorite foods. And, and, and actually, if you think about it, all of this stuff, I mean, entire neighborhoods and towns are transformed. No other time during the year does that happen, right? You drive into a town and you're like, what got a hold of this place? There are wreaths and there are signs and there are pictures and there are... We used, to, we used to live in a town in California that had Christmas ornaments that were literally like eight feet tall. Entire towns are transformed during Christmas. It just gives you this picture. I mean, we, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? I mean, we'd love to see that kind of transformation at Christmas, so much so we've written a song about it. There's just something about the atmosphere. And, and I was listening to the radio the other day, you know, and this song came on, and it's actually a hilarious song. But, but it's one we all know, and it's one that starts coming on, like earlier and earlier, as it seems, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year with kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap- happiest season of all. This was written in 1963. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings, that meant a couple of different things back then. When friends come to call, it's the happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories. I don't know what kind of Christmas they had. (laughs) And tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. We can't get enough of our own Christmas. We talk about past Christmases. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts 
will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And we all have things that make like Christmas Christmas, right? There's just like that one thing that until it happens, it's not, it's not really Christmas. I mean, I think for us, my family, uh, until we play like the Peanuts Christmas album, it's not, it's not qu- Christmas yet. And, and we, we can play it like as soon as we eat the last bite of turkey on Thanksgiving. That's kind of like when we're allowed to begin. Da, 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 da. We love that and we do like the Linus dance or whatever. Um, but the culture goes into hyperdrive around Christmas. And you're saying, but Eric, is that true? I mean, what's the proof of this? Well, look no further than the Netflix Christmas movie list. I mean, have you looked? I actually did a search just on my Amazon Prime on my TV the other day. 491 movies come up when you just do Christmas movie. And it's movies like 48 Christmas Wishes, Five Star Christmas, A Christmas Prince, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding, One hopes the royal wedding comes before the royal baby, but you get the idea. A Cinderella story, Christmas witch, a holiday engagement, abominable Christmas, Benji's very own Christmas story, Christmas break-in, Christmas crush, Christmas in the heartland, Christmas in the Smokies, Christmas inheritance, Christmas survival, Christmas wedding planner, Christmas with a view, Red Christmas, that's a horror movie. (laughs) Holiday in the wild, get Santa, you can't fight Christmas. Who's trying to fight Christmas? I promise you, I actually, I I couldn't help but click on the one that said, Santa Claus conquers Martians. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I didn't even say the ones you know, because we are just consumed with Christmas. And it's wonderful. Um, but, But probably as you know, and in stark contrast to what we've been singing this morning, the most visible thing about Christmas is not generally the guy who it's all about, Jesus. He, he's not the most prominent figure in Christmas in, in our culture. I mean, if we're honest, who, who is? Santa, right? And, and before you think, okay, I know where he's going with this. The grumpy preacher is going to tear into poor Santa. I'm not. Santa's fine. It's fine. Uh, there's something wonderful about Santa. Uh, some people do the Santa thing. Some people don't. Either way. Uh, In many ways, he's just a retelling of the Christmas story, a kind, generous patriarch who blesses the entire world. I mean, it's just variations on a theme. And imitation is the highest form of flattery, so I'm fine with Santa. But at the same time, as we gather this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ, we actually have to recognize it easily becomes about so many other things. And before you think this is about a slap on the wrist, it's actually just about a reorientation that our souls are desperate for because the only thing that really feeds them is the Jesus that Christmas is all about. And I got to tell you, somebody's got to stop us in moments, don't they? (laughs) Somebody's got to, we just go off the rails. And and it's amazing. There's this great quote from, from John Stott who says, probably the greatest tragedy of the church throughout its long and checkered history has been its constant tendency to conform to the prevailing culture instead of developing a Christian counterculture. I I would suggest never is that more true than at Christmas because we just just jump on the roller coaster and we just ride it because it's wonderful. It's amazing and we enjoy it. And at the same time, what is it our opportunity 
to do when we recognize this, when we say, actually, I want to make sure that I make it about the thing that it's about. And it's actually food to our our souls. It's actually warmth to our hearts. It's really what we need during Christmas because isn't it easy sometimes to just start to get right to the the razor's edge during Christmas with all the stress and all of the the financial burden sometimes that comes and the travel and the logistics and, and everything. We realize I have consumed myself with all of these things that are meant to celebrate Christmas, but, but they don't. And so this morning, I want to talk about the wonderful things we celebrate at Christmas, but I actually want to talk about the things we really celebrate at Christmas. Just help anchor our souls and bring us back to the things that really moor us in the midst of all of the cultural craziness of Christmas. And so the title of my message is The Things We Celebrate at Christmas. What as a community, as a family, as a church, do we celebrate really at Christmas? And it's not the sugar plums dancing in our heads. It's not the figgy pudding. I mean, who, Sam, I know you probably eat figgy pudding. It's a British thing. It's fine. It's fine. But it's probably not the greatest thing about Christmas. So let's just start with the first point of the things we celebrate as Christians at Christmas. Now, it's a little bit much to digest, but you'll see where I'm going with this. So if you can bring up the first one, it's the appearance of the Savior of the world who by his coming freed us forever and spared us from sin, death, and eternal separation from the creator of the universe. That's what we actually celebrate at Christmas. Now that feels just a bit heavy in the moment, but you realize that it's not the Instagram pecan pie that's the most alluring thing about Christmas. It's this incredible truth that Romans does such a good job of helping us. And so I want to just spend a moment for uh, just to look at what the Bible tells us that we celebrate. Why is this such a big deal? Why are entire towns transformed? Why does your neighborhood look like it does? Why am I hanging off the side of my roof with lights about to break my neck During this time of year, it's because of this. Romans 8, the first two verses say, So now, and I'll add, because of the birth of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago in a manger, in a stable, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness, such a good thing to celebrate. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In one version of Christmas, we're all going to die forever. In one version, in the other version of Christmas, we're all going to live together in eternity in his glory, feasting in a way that will make Christmas look like a silly little tea party. We are going to be singing and feasting and worshiping and feeling the presence of God uninterrupted and untouched by any of the sin that plagues us in this world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's the wonderful thing that outlasts and outshines and transcends everything. And the the traditions and the food and the decorations, it's really, they're all so wonderful. It is the happiest time of the year. 
But the only reason these things ever came to be during this time of fun, family, celebrations, traditions, and the peek into the atmosphere of heaven is because the power of the life-giving spirit has freed us from the sin that leads to death. We're no longer going to die. That's why we eat pecan pie roast chestnuts and stick a dead tree in the living room. (laughs) The juxtaposition is kind of silly. But let's just not forget because those things are very present and this thing is very forgettable, isn't it? I love this incredible quote by George Whitfield who said, Jesus was God and man in one person that God and man might be happy together again. That's what we celebrate. We're happy together again with God. I love this one, and this just, this just helps us so much understand why are we celebrating. Have you ever been up to see the sunrise? I actually went to the Grand Canyon with my kids not long ago. I managed to grab two out of the three, I won't say which, to go watch the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. If you've never done it, it is the most extraordinary thing you'll ever see. And we get there in dark, and I remember I had my camera, and I'm kind of running around, and the ground is a little moist. <laughs> and, and so I want to get the best picture. And there's hundreds and even thousands of people lining the rim of the canyon as the sun is about to come up. And we're all just about to cheer for this incredible beauty that rises over this amazing wonder of the world. And as I'm running down, my foot slips. Now, when everybody's looking over the 3,000-foot edge of the canyon and they hear a foot slip, I promise you a collective... <gasps> I mean, I I think people thought they were going to just see a guy like plummeting to the bottom of the canyon. I just had to laugh. I was just sitting on the ground. I was fine. But we all went to see the sunrise. We were all sitting there at 4.30 in the morning to see the sunrise. And it's Henry Van Dyke, an author and preacher, who says the birth of Jesus is the sunrise in the Bible. Into all of the darkness he came and... For the first time, we truly saw the glory of the sun. And it was almost too much for our eyes to bear, but it is the greatest gift that we could ever have. We just need to, as a people, as we come together during this Advent season, just celebrate that. Let's celebrate that. Let's hit that hard. (laughs) And let's never forget it and never let some of the most wonderful aspects of Christmas overshadow that. It's not a grumpy thing. It's a reminding thing. It's a thing where we have the opportunity to celebrate so much more than the little accoutrements. My second point, and this is one of the things that we celebrate, is kids rock. No, we don't have it all together, (laughs) which is clear. Lawson, thank you. You're doing an excellent job. (laughs) We don't have it all together. That's one of the things we actually celebrate at Christmas. It's a little bit counterintuitive, isn't it? But we celebrate that. In spite of our perfect decorations and our perfect Christmas photos and our tree and our... (laughs) My family took our Christmas picture yesterday. I promise you we almost killed each other. (laughs) Have you ever had that experience? No, not you. This is my family, I'm sure. We just, we wanted to get it right. It's a mess. The one we picked is a mess. And we're like, that's accurate. Okay. But our Instagram 
pies and our wonderful friends and our comfortable lives, one of the most important things we celebrate is that we're constantly in desperate need of a Savior to keep our feet on the right track, aren't we? And so we just celebrate the fact that we know we don't have it all together, and it's okay. It's okay. We continually turn away from the sin that wants to ensnare us, but we just, we don't have it all together. And the very, the very best and most righteous among us are in grave danger of going off the rails without his saving grace in our lives. Do you believe that? Because if we fooled ourselves, as most of us do at one time or another, Christmas is an opportunity to celebrate the fact that this is fundamentally true of every single one of us wonderful human beings. We'll just go off track. We don't have it all together. We need him. Tim Keller says this, Christmas means not just hope for the world despite all its unending problems, but hope for you and me despite all our unending failings. I fail so much. <laughs> I do. Not even sin. I just, I just don't do it right. We're broken. We're flawed. We're imperfect vessels of his grace. And we just don't, no matter how hard we try or try to portray it, we just don't have it all together. We celebrate that. I, I get it. In a sense, we're not celebrating how we don't have it all together. That hardly seems worth celebrating but we're remembering the fact that our hope and our salvation and our future is in no way dependent on our own goodness. That's what we celebrate. Or do we believe that it is? Because now is the time to stop and put that belief to death. Let's just continue in Romans, this great celebration of the things we celebrate. It says in verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. This is it. This is it. Just envision it for a moment. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. What a glorious gift. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. It's the gift that we've been given. And sometimes it can feel like, no, 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 yeah, I know that. But actually, does it come through in the way we celebrate Christmas? Because if it doesn't, we have a unique opportunity just to re-lay hold of these truths. He made a way for us to live exceptional lives. In fact, prior to the moment of the birth of Jesus, we actually had no way to live exceptional lives. Because of that moment where Jesus came and he was born in a manger, in a stable, that actually meant that we could now live exceptional lives. Well, we had a way, actually, which was to follow the rules, but we proved over thousands of years that we humans just couldn't do it. We can't do it now, so he gave us this gift. Do you know that every gift exchanged at Christmas is really just supposed to be an ongoing rehearsal of the gift that God gave us? You ever think of it like that when you're going to buy something? When you're going to give something? I love this quote by a guy named Vance Havner. He was an evangelist and, and he says, Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. The gift of God to man, his unspeakable gift of his son and the gift 
of man to God when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's why we exchange gifts like this. That's why it's the most gifty time of the year. But it's so easy to get consumed with all of that stuff and not just remember. Our gifts are meant to be a reminder of his gift to us, which is silly because you think about it, it's like, hey, Tommy, here's this train, this toy train. Because Jesus gave us the gift of eternal life and freedom from sin was on a, his son appeared 2,000 years ago on a stable. Here's the train. You need D batteries. <laughs> it just, it just kind of seems trite unless we, we make it meaningful, unless we don't forget, unless we just keep infusing it. And, and you know that with the force of gravity all around us, it will be to forget. It will be just to have the, the truth of the celebration just grow dim, won't it? And, in, and instead, we'll, we'll actually celebrate the things that are barely worth celebrating. They're, they're kind of worth celebrating. But, but actually, he reminds us of the things that, that really are. There's nothing wrong with the train or the smartwatch or the new shoes we're enjoying. But if those things actually get the glory and detract from the glory of the real gift, well, it, it, it's just so silly. So he wants to help us with that. We don't have it all together, but at the same time, we are not controlled by sin. He continues to help us through all of the difficulty. But that sort of brings me to my third point. One of the massive, massive gifts that we get in the birth of Jesus Christ is that suffering is temporary. Like, what a gift. Can you, can you imagine if suffering was eternal? Pretend suffering is eternal for the moment. That's all you have to look forward to for the rest of eternity. And then exchange that for the idea that actually suffering is so temporary. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And we will spend a billion years to the billionth power free, completely free from suffering. See, life is is hard and then we die is not our promise, is it? I mean, isn't that what we celebrate? Isn't that what's worth celebrating? That's not our promise. Life is hard, but that that difficulty is temporary. And then we're released into eternal Christmas (laughs) where there's feasting and singing and gold in the streets and the presence of God and all of us living in complete and utter harmony. That is the future that we look forward to. And we need to know that, don't we? Because no matter how we're able to escape into this glorious celebration of Christmas, this little picture of heaven for a few moments once a year, we know that Christmas time is not without its complexity. I love that word that came earlier. It's, it's often a painful time. It's often a lonely time. It's not without its compromise. So that our desire to snatch a little piece of the feasting and harmony and beauty of heaven is actually sometimes just snatched away. I mean, isn't that often the case during the most joyous, wonderful time of the year? It actually can be incredibly painful. For some, it's relational strain. The very family he provided to love and care for us most can be actually especially contentious around the holidays. Some of the worst arguments. I've driven family members to the airport like on Christmas Day because everything just went completely sideways. I mean, what a... 
What an antithesis of the slice of heaven we're looking for. I'm sure you have your stories. Financial difficulty and stress, it's often most pronounced around the holidays. When the bonus wasn't quite what you expected, if there was a bonus at all, and hoping to get away or buy gifts for the ones you love just puts you under a bit of financial pressure. I mean, this, this, pressure, this pressure starts to r- reveal itself the moment we start shopping. I mean, if you ever want to watch the most ridiculous version of Christmas, it's you watch the news the day after Black Friday. You got like two women pulling each other's hair at Walmart or, you know, some guy punching another guy out and the, you know, for a door buster at Best Buy. <laughs> like, what, what happened? It's just madness. <laughs> I mean, like... This thing that's supposed to be this like little slice of heaven has become this absurd carnival of the bizarre. And you just go, how does that happen? It must be because the things we begin to celebrate get out of alignment. And the way to avoid those things is actually for us to celebrate the things worth celebrating. One of the things I love about the fact that Jesus came and that suffering is temporary is that he suffered right alongside us. Even though he promises suffering is temporary, he came to suffer with us so that he knows that we'd know that he knows what's going on. Just how difficult this all is. He wants to assure us of that. He wants you to know that whatever you're experiencing in relational strain or financial pressure, it may not be hearts all aglow and marshmallows for toasting. And those things may just not be what you're experiencing right now. But suffering is temporary. Let's just celebrate that. Let's celebrate that. Let's thank God for that. He's so good to us that he gave us the son because you know what? We didn't invite him. We, we actually didn't really want him. We actually ultimately crucified him as human beings. We, we, we wanted to get him out in ways as soon as he came. But he came for our good. He came for our sake because he knew that we needed him so desperately. That's what we celebrate. That's why I've got stockings hanging over my fireplace. I mean, not really. We do them because that's just what we've always done. But how connected is it? The force of gravity will draw us away from it. I've got to applaud my wife who after dinner each night has this Advent book that she'll want to read from. And honestly, it feels like vegetables sometime. We're having fun. We've had a nice dinner. It's like mom gets out the book. (laughs) Yeah, that laugh just tells me this is not the only book and the only mom that gets out the book. But well done, hon, because actually you're trying to remind us of the thing we really celebrate. Because what do we do with all of this? If these are the right things to celebrate, what do we do? Well, we keep working against the force of gravity. We keep acting in countercultural ways. And we get out the book. And we take these wonderful Romans verses, or, or, or so many others that just remind us of the gift we have in Jesus, and we do not let it die. We do not let it get snuffed out by some of the darkness of cultural silliness. That's what we do. That's how we can keep this celebration alive and in the right place. I almost killed myself right there. (laughs) Suffering is temporary. Often during the holidays, you get offended or disappointed or angry 
you have one drink too many and say the offensive thing. You neglect your kids, your spouse, and the busyness of everything, and before you know it, the whole thing's over, and now you're back to the grindstone of work and school and everything else. And Christmas can be hard, and life can be hard. So we celebrate the fact that suffering is temporary. Romans tells us this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. It's nothing. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. That's what we celebrate. That is so much better than anything that is on tap for us to celebrate just about everywhere we look. It says, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit with us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Yes! Yes! That's what we celebrate. That's what motivates us. That's what carries us through. That's what, and this is my, my last point, that's what causes us to really celebrate all the fun, joy, and merriment of Christmas. Like, we still can do that. Oh, God, the preacher finally gave me permission. I thought I couldn't do any of this anymore. No, 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 it doesn't get taken away. It just becomes completely motivated by something else. It's so easy. You know, I think, I think the church has gotten this wrong in the past where we've gone like, okay, you know, let's go on a campaign to put Christ back in Christmas. And I love that. It's fine. It, it's good. I don't, I don't like Santa. To tra- That's fine, too. I I don't think any of those things are wrong, but actually we tend to have two reactions. We either conform, which is often, or we contest, and we actually just don't do a good job of integrating and and bringing the right celebration to the moment. Paul in Colossians 2 says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teaching about things that deteriorate as we use them. Because it's easy out of this kind of idea or message to just go insular now. Okay, well, let's just hide from the world. And he says, these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. This isn't about just creating rules. It's about being motivated with a different heart. And bringing into every sphere of influence we have the true celebration of Christmas. We're not sticks in the mud, wagging our finger at the sometimes shallow nature of Christmas. It's, it's low hanging fruit, it's too easy. We party. <laughs> we party because we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. 
That's not a cliche or a platitude. That is the most glorious and extraordinary thing about everyone in this room that calls Jesus Lord and Savior. Whoa. Uh, Yeah. Let's do more of that. Because he says here, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. In Romans 8.38, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing. Yes, that's it. That's all we need. That's all we have. That's all it takes to be really beholding the beauty of this Christmas season. And what do we do with that? What we do, we open the books. We look and we, we reflect and we, we, we force ourselves against the gravity of culture that wants to make this a silly, sweet, saccharine, stupid holiday. Honestly. Because without these things, what is it? it? It's a parade. But with these things... It's a glorious reminder of all that we have in him. So I'm actually excited because I've got... So we just moved here not too long ago. I don't have any friends, really. I mean, all of you are my friends, I hope. (laughs) But I don't have any friends outside of here. And, I, you know, most of you believe in Jesus, and so I'll see you later. I'm on to the others that God is bringing into my life. No, no, I love you all. But you understand what I'm saying because actually, what does this also motivate me to do? Well, one of the most exciting things I've got going on this Christmas is I'm getting together with a guy for a beer that I met at one of the businesses that I frequent, that I've started since I moved here. I'm just excited to get together with this guy because when I told him um, in the course of I was making an application for something and it came out that I was a pastor and he goes, you're a pastor, that's interesting. Like, what do you do? So I told him I had been an executive pastor and he goes, oh, so you deal with the money? He's like, how is it dealing with money in church? Because that gets pretty controversial. I'm like, you and I should grab a beer and talk about that. And actually, he's been a little hard to wrangle, but I think I've got him now for Friday. And I'm just excited to, to, to hang out with him, just to learn a little bit about his story. I know his, his dad is actually in this church, Seneca Creek. He doesn't go. He'll go at Christmas. And I just want to ask him questions. I want to learn a little bit more about his story and tell him a little bit about mine. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the celebrating at Christmas is unto ourselves, isn't it? Even the gifts are sometimes really to get something in exchange. It's often unto ourselves, and actually when we start to refocus on the things worth celebrating at Christmas, it just propels us out. Because Jesus actually came here into the darkness of our world. He was birthed so that we might do the same. He wants me to be born into other situations, right? Because he's made me new in him, he wants me to go like he did and be birthed and born into other situations and other people's lives like he was. I'm like, yes, that's it. And there's so many things I love about Christmas, but... Lord, won't you give me this gift at Christmas of this guy just to share your love with him? Won't you give me that gift? I mean, no show of hands, but how many have prayed for this gift at Christmas? I don't even think I have. I think I just made that up now. 
But that's going to be my prayer all this week while I get ready to, to connect with him. And who knows what the outcome is. But, but Lord, if I'm going to ask for anything, yeah, I did want those GBL noise-canceling headphones, but, <laughs> but actually, that's, that's silly. This, this man could be in eternity with you. Won't you give me that gift? Won't you just oil the, the gears of that moment? Won't you just help me understand how to be a shoulder for him to lean on or how to be somebody who cares or takes an interest in his life or to bring whatever wisdom or answers or just friendship in this moment? Won't you, won't you help me do those things, Lord? I want to be as intentional about that as I have been about all of the other stuff I've had to do during this Christmas. Good stuff. Love it but it's just not nearly as rewarding or glorious or worth celebrating as all of these other beautiful things that lie just beneath the surface. So I'd just love to take a moment, and I've been having my own moment here Uh, as I've been talking about this and go, what does it look like for me just to make a tweak? Is there a tweak? Maybe you're doing Christmas perfectly. Excellent, you can go. (laughs) Or maybe you need a tweak. Maybe you need to be reminded. Maybe there's somebody you need to look to start praying for during this season. Maybe there's a unique opportunity. Maybe you need to open the book with your, your kids or your spouse or... Or, 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 or maybe there's just something I haven't even mentioned, but God's nudging you on. Can we just take a moment? I'm, I'm, I'm done. We're going to go to the table of communion in just a moment. But what is it that he's sort of nudging us toward? I feel like this is a, a bit of a word for us now. In some ways, it's, a, it's an old reminder, but we need it, don't we? I was actually going to preach on Mary and Joseph. <laughs> I had to call PJ in Australia and say, hey, PJ, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> but I just want to remind us about the things we celebrate at Christmas. I just felt the Spirit of God nudging me in this direction. I said, oh, thank you. I, I needed that. It became about everything else. What's the tweak? What's the face that maybe pops into your mind? where you don't have to do anything even at the moment other than just pray. Lord, won't you give an opportunity? Lord, I just thank you so much for your, your presence here and in our lives, constantly helping our feet stay on track. Lord, won't you, by your active Holy Spirit, help nudge us toward things or people that can reorient around the things we celebrate at Christmas? Help us with that, Lord. Lord, we don't want this to whiz by with, like, cotton candy, where we eat it, it's sweet, it tastes good, but it leaves us still hungry. Let us, Lord, celebrate this season by glorifying the one who truly deserves the glory. In Jesus' name.